There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez. What a finish. Walcott's going to go through and score. Into the middle. Giroud is two. Hello, I'm Russell Hargreaves, welcoming you to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 11th of April 2016. On this week's show, Peter Cech stops by to tell us the secrets of being a world-class stopper. David Hillier is our Arsenal insider, and Adrian Clark previews a London derby against Crystal Palace. But first, we're kicking off with the weekend review. Arsenal travelled to Upton Park to face West Ham United for the final time in the Berlin Ground's 112-year history, with both teams looking to keep pace with the sides above them, and the game burst into life on 18 minutes. Monreal does recycle and take a touch and looks to come inside the penalty area again, and then was caught there by Antonio. He's gone down, clutching his thigh. He can't believe he's not got a penalty. Arsenal still coming forward. This is Mesut to finish! Into the corner! The Gunners have the advantage! West Ham players stopped and looked at the referee. Arsenal continued. Mesut Ozil beats Adrian. It is West Ham nil. Arsenal won. The goal came from Alex Iwobi's pass and the Arsenal youngster was the provider again for Alexis in the 35th minute. They're going to be under a lot of pressure, especially in the second half of its days like this, but they look very good on the counter-attack still. Flick through towards Alexis here, who brings it down and finishes! There is the second goal right on cue. Brilliant play once again from Arsenal. Alexis, unmarked inside the box, brings it down, finds the corner, Adran beaten for a second time, and it's the Arsenal fans away to our left that are celebrating once again. It is West Ham nil, Arsenal 2. Arsenal were in complete control heading into the break, but the game was turned on its head as the clock ticked past 45 minutes when Andy Carroll scored twice in just 160 seconds. He then completed his hat-trick seven minutes after the restart. Mikel Antonio... All muscle away from Monreal, chips it up to the far post, Carroll with a header! Hat-trick hero Andy Carroll, cross from the right, Monreal bullied by Antonio, inch perfect for Andy Carroll to beat David Ospina, three for Andy Carroll, three for West Ham, the turnaround complete. This was the moment for the Gunners to show real character, with the momentum well and truly in the Hammers' favour, but they responded through captain Laurent Koscielny in the 70th minute. Now it's with uh, Ramsey. Can he get the cross in? Well, the flat trajectory might fall for Welbeck inside the area. Now it's with Ozil on his right, now towards Welbeck, and the shot into the roof of the net! 
Koscielny. How many important goals does that man score? He's got another here in the right place at the right time just to caress the ball into the top corner, and it's 3-3. A real striker's finish from Laurent Koscielny after good work from Ramsey and Welbeck, keeping the move alive inside the box. What a game this is. Both teams went looking for that all-important winner, but the spoils would be shared. After a brilliant game, Arsene Wenger was conflicted in his feelings about the result. And overall, you can say uh, it was not a, it's not a very bad result to draw here. But in the context of the league and where we are and what we want to achieve, of course, it's a very bad result for us. The boss also spoke about why he thought his team couldn't find a winner. In the end, I think we had the opportunities to to score a fourth goal, but uh, we were not calm enough. I think we rushed our game in the box and uh, that's disappointing. And we, one or two times on counter-attack, the pass didn't come out quickly enough out of the feet. And uh, that's why we missed. The draw wasn't much use to either team and coupled with the win for Leicester and Tottenham, that's left Arsenal needing to take maximum points from their remaining six games if they're to have any chance of winning the Premier League title. Petr Cech was on the bench for that pulsating London derby against West Ham and we'll talk to him next. Peter Cech is the Premier League's all-time clean sheet record holder and at the age of 33 he's showing no signs of slowing down. The Czech Republic international sat down with Arsenal media's Harry Hawke to talk about how he hones his reaction skills. So I think one of the most interesting aspects of being a goalkeeper I think is uh, reactions because I think sometimes that happens automatically. Um, I was wondering if you could sort of talk me through maybe like a reaction save. Do you, do you remember much about it? Like I'm thinking like Ben Teke against Liverpool earlier this year. Um, and at the same time, how do you train your reactions? Can you train them to be better? Of course. You, you, I think that the, your, the speed of your reaction, obviously you have a natural ability. So, so your body has the, or the gift that you are super fast or not, but it doesn't mean that if, even if you are super fast, you cannot get faster. Even if, if you are not as fast as somebody else, it doesn't mean that you cannot get faster because there are training ways. You know, the reaction comes from your brain to your body. So if you train your brain and your body together, then obviously you will, you will, you will make the cooperation faster and the reaction will be faster. So there are plenty of ways you can you can work with it you, you reduce distances for you know for catching the ball different shape of balls you know you can be back to the wall and when the ball comes you obviously you cannot cheat because you don't read the, the when then people shoot it just when it bounces off you can be as close as possible as far as possible it depends and um, there are so many other other ways you can you can use tools outside of football you can use a ten, uh, table tennis robots a perfect thing for for reaction and hand-eye coordination. You have um, even even tennis robots. You know, feeding. You know, the, the the one who feed you with the ball. It shoots. It can go any direction. Spins the different flight. Can go far closer, far further. And the ball is smaller. So you know, it's it makes it makes uh, your hand-eye coordination. And usually, you have to use separate hands. So you know, it makes it much better. Or you have the, the luminous boards where you have plenty of lights where you need to switch on off and you react to that. 
and there are there are plenty of things you you know you can do outside of the football pitch which makes you know your reaction much uh, much better so it depends on you as well is there is there are no limits i would say there are no limits if you want to find the exercise you search and you really make you know, put your time into it that it it really it's efficient you know there's always ways to do it and obviously in training you have your goalkeeper coach you have your training session where obviously you do everything that you improve your skills your, your reaction you know and everything but on top out of that um, the training session of i would say of the week where you have two games you know it sometimes is is it's better 10 minutes out outside of the pitch to do all these little different things which are not physically that demanding like if you do it during the training session on the pitch but uh, but uh, it takes 10 minutes and you can you can you can use it uh, as well as possible but i think is is this is the individual thing as much as you want to give time to it as much as you want to improve and, and and as much as you want to have the research and things because without without that you will not you will not go further do you have a situation like at the end of, a, of 90 minutes where either you've had a really good battle against a striker or they feel that they've had an equally hard time against you and you, you maybe have a conversation with them or just sort of say, well, that was a great game or... Yeah, I have to say, you know, it's, it's, a part of, it's a part of the game for 90 minutes or 95 minutes. You are, you know, like in on the, on, like on the battlefield. But, uh, but then when the game finished... You know, sometimes you enjoy the the games because it it had these individual battles and it had this challenge, and then you you know sometimes you walk and think like, oh, you know, I love this part of the game because you know I was battling with the uh, with him every co every corner, every free kick. We were there, you know, pushing each other, and he tried to block me, and then and he couldn't you know get. It. And then when you when you finish the game, on top of that, you think like, okay, you give me hard time, but you know, I I did well, and you're happy with that, so. You know, you play if you play the game for such a long time, and you know the players, and you you play against players a long time. Obviously, you know them better. They know they know you a little bit. So in the end of the game, sometimes you have a little, you know, sometimes not all not all the time, but they are there are games where you know you, you speak to people, and then you just you have to respect your opponent. You have to respect the game in a way, because everybody wants to win. Everybody, you know, it means everything to everyone. While you play the game, you want to win, but on the other hand, you know it's you have to respect your opponent. You have to respect the fact that sometimes the other team plays better than you and deserve to win. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it just works this way, and and you know they spend as much as time as you to prepare to play to win, and and they give everything to that. So you know you need to respect that as well. So this is where you know the team sport generally teach you this, this um, you know not only. Uh, ability to work in a team but you know respect your opponent and, and work try to play fair play this is this is um this is obviously a big part of sport czech has already proved to be one of arsene wenger's most shrewd pieces of business and with many years left in the tank let's hope he can add to his already impressive list of honors it's half time on this week's show so let's move from arsenal's current number one to perhaps their greatest of all time in this week's history lesson and it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or Charlie George who can hit him. Oh, a goal! It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! 
On April the 13th, 2003, David Seaman played his 1,000th professional game as the Gunners faced Sheffield United that in the FA Cup semi-final at Old Trafford. With less than 10 minutes remaining, with Arsenal defending a one-goal lead, Paul Pesky-Solido looked destined to send the game into extra time. But Seaman had other ideas. Page again. They just don't get in. And it's not gone in. How did, they, how did it stay out? Asama can't believe it. He can't believe it. And Seaman, what a magnificent save. Breathtaking. Another Premier League great, Peter Schmeichel, who was a pundit for BBC on the day, says it was the best save he's ever seen. High praise indeed there. Here's David's memories of it. It's definitely in the top three, easily. You know, and somebody asked me that question the other day, like, what other saves do you... And I couldn't remember any of them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm sure there is, you know, there's been a few. Um, but it, it does rate on, you know, in the top three, because we weren't playing well, but we were holding on. And then we'd, we knew we'd got a big game against Manchester coming on the Wednesday. Um, so we didn't need to go into extra time. Um, plus it was on my thousandth game, you know, so it was all perfectly made and, uh, and I produced the goods. Arsenal would go on to beat Southampton in that season's final, with Seaman keeping a clean sheet in a 1-0 win. He captained the side in Patrick Vieira's absence that day, and his final act as an Arsenal player was to lift the famous trophy, his eighth major honour with the team. We'll have another history lesson next week, but now let's talk to a former teammate of David Seaman. That's David Hillier. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Our Arsenal insider this week is a man who played 143 times for the Gunners and certainly knows a thing or two about winning league championships. I'm delighted to say it's David Hillier who now joins us on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. David, hello, mate. How's it going? Hi, Ross. Yeah, yeah, great to be with you. Everything's going well, thank you. Much to discuss regarding the club, but we'll start, if we can, with what we've just relived on the show, which is David Seaman's finest save for the club. That was in this week's history lesson. You played alongside him, and a guy who made a remarkable impact, I'm sure, week in, week out, being between the sticks. Yeah, I think David was, was something special. When I, when I was at the club, he, he was the first-team goalkeeper throughout my, my career, all my games at the club. Obviously, John Lukic was there at the same time as well. But uh, David David was a character, um, bigger than he actually is. A massive, massive person, but a massive character, lovely bloke, but uh, a great, great footballer as well. Yeah, and, and someone that just gives so much confidence and, and so much solidity to those around him, I'd have thought as well. What are your recollections of one or two of his best saves and best moments from when you were out on the pitch? Well, I think my, there's, there's two big, 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 um, recollections of mine playing alongside David um, Sampdoria in the Cup Winners Cup penalty save it's just you know a, a big player a big time up against you know the likes of Lombardo and making just fantastic saves enabling us to, to, to progress in that competition that was one of his finest group of saves that I'd seen but he'll also be remembered for the you know the Nain goal which was you know I don't think it was his fault at all it was just a goal you know out of this world and sort of no one's expecting that but um, day in day out David David showed immense talent you know just out on the training ground he was fantastic with the younger goalkeepers um, he worked really hard with Bob Wilson who was also one of our sort of stalwart goalkeepers if you like um, throughout history and you know he's just, just a great man 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. We've had Bob on the show over the course of this season saying a very similar thing as well. Um, if I can, we'll move on to the events of the West Ham game. You were there covering it, of course. Um, I'll just start with the goalkeeper side of things and, and not in any way to say that David Ospina was, was to blame for any of the goals, clearly in this 3-3 draw, but I just wonder personally whether the, the aerial presence of, of Peter Cech and what he instills was missed and whether that might then therefore change. Yeah, it Possibly. I mean, you'll never know. Hindsight's a lovely thing. But um, before the game, I think a lot of us people involved in football was expecting Czech to come back into the side. You know, it's a very big game. And as you've mentioned, they're a physical side. We knew Andy Carroll would be involved in lots of aerial balls. And it, it takes a lot of organisation and, you know, a lot of experience. And I think maybe Aspina was lacking in some respects from, from that. But um, the manager stuck with Aspina. He's done well while Czech had been out with his calf injury. And, you know, you've got to give credit to him. He did make a couple of good saves in the game as well. Now, just looking more widely at the game, obviously Arsenal, I was, I was there as well, 2-0 up and then 3-2 down, coming back to 3-3. There are some positives to take, but some frustration. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. As well, and, and I guess chief among them really is the way that Leicester and, and Spurs went. Title challenge is looking all the more forlorn now. Yeah, I, I think we've, we've just got to finish as high as we can and, and focus, focus on that. Win win our last bunch of games and, you know, satisfy the fans' appetite for good football, lots of goals and, and finish the season on a high. But um, regarding the game, it, it was a tough one. We, we got 2-0 up. We was playing quite confident. It was a really good game, good fast pace. It was end-to-end. Both teams were, you know, were playing a very physical game. Um, and I thought the referee, Craig Paulson, I thought he let the game roll pretty well. You know, he let a lot of challenges go. He, he refereed it good. It, it was a good London derby. And at 2-0, you think it's, it's all but done, but in those sort of catastrophic three minutes before um, before the break, Andy Carroll just devastated us with two goals, and I don't think we ever really recovered from that. And was I wouldn't say fortunate to get back to a draw because I think that was a deserved result. But um, 
it could have easily been a, a loss again to West Ham, and that's a, that's a double they would have done over us. And I know it's it's an age-old and a tough question, but if you look for Arsenal and their hopeful improvements into next season, there is that susceptibility if if you go hard at the defence with physicality and, and and really kind of put them on the back foot there. Yeah, I think I think there's a, there's a tough compromise for the Arsenal side because they're they're not an overly physical side, and they play a lot of football. It's very difficult to play a lot of football and be physical. Um, and I think Arsenal, the transition between being the two sort of having the two attitudes on the pitch, sometimes is difficult for us. We either play football or we we knuckle down and roll our sleeves up, and it, it, it's difficult sometimes to do both. And I think we have come a cropper against teams who have just battered us physically for 90 minutes. Yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming from and trying to get a balance in-game between the two approaches and a kind of reactive balance as well, absolutely. Um, just yeah. looking at a few of the positives, good to see Ozil back on the score sheet. Alexis clearly getting back to something resembling his best and, and both of those two goals set up by young Alex Uobi, who's uh, really enjoying himself, isn't he? Yeah, I think they're definitely... Definitely big positive towards the, um, the last group of games. He will be coming into it, hitting a bit of form, getting his goal. I think that gave him a lot of confidence. Um, and again, Alexis is a man who, who's driven by goals and, and confidence, and he's slowly getting back to form. So, yeah, it bodes well for the last few games of the season. But I think we've really got to focus on the start of next season and players like that starting the season in the form that they're in now. And what about your old position? You look at the sort of two players that are in the engine room behind the three advanced players, behind the striker, if you like, in the 2-3-1 sort of attacking formation. What did you make of the combination of Cochrane and El Nenny, not just in this game, but in the last couple where they've been in that position together? I think they've done really well together. They complement each other. Cochrane is, is more defensive. There's no doubt about that. He just likes to sit. But we've seen El Nenny kind of come out of his shell, make more forward passes, forward runs. He's, you know, he's going to try and add to the goals, I think. Um, but what Arsenal's got to be careful of is not sacrificing two players as defensive midfield. When we played with Mikel Arteta a lot of the time and Flamini, I, I kind of felt personally that it was two players doing one job. Now we've got Coquelin who can sit and there are many who can go forward off of him. I think it's a slightly different dimension in their partnership and I think that's what Arsenal needs to, to move forward. And just while we're on this, finally, for the footballing side of things, you've got Aaron Ramsey there too, who I thought made a real difference coming on back from injury and I thought he looked very lively and very hungry indeed. He can potentially play that role, can't he? Or, of course, he can play as part of the three advanced players as well. Yeah, yeah, he can. And I think what Ramsey brings to the side now, although he's only young, he's one of the more experienced players in that midfield so when he comes on he knows how to get that little bit extra out of the El Nenis and Coquelin's and he'll make the moves and, and the runs playing off the front he, I think he's just his experience now does show and shine through so when he's fit yeah and don't forget we've got Jack to come back as well Santi Cazorla the midfield's looking fantastic yeah, just um, a shame that it's almost too late, isn't it, for this season? But as you say, with Santi and, and Jack, who we've seen play for the Arsenal Under-21s against Newcastle in the last few days as well and put in a, a decent shift for a good few minutes, that is really promising. Yeah, it's, it's always positive when players have been out for a long time. And that first game back, always a worry. But um, I'm sure after they'll, they'll have four months of intensive training before the start of the season, going back on what they've already had, like, with their rehab, 
So they should be coming back super fit into the start of the season. So, you know, it will be, it will be a, a time to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. So you're back in the studio for the match day show uh, for the West Bromwich Albion game, aren't you? How much do you enjoy that side of it? That's, yeah, that's right. I'm doing West Brom. Yeah, I, I love it. I love the match day show because you get, you get to talk about previous games and have a little bit of input from a, from a player's point of view. I work alongside Dan most of the time, sometimes Adrian, Adrian Clark. Um, and it's good to put the player's point of view across and just have that contact with the fans. And then, then I do the commentary as well, the, the Pundit 3, which is, which is also good because you get to watch the game, get to watch my favourite team. Um, and hopefully most of the time I go home happy. And Adrian Clark, who you mentioned there, he's joining us in just a second for his regular section of the show. An old teammate of yours, now a colleague on the media side, and of course uh, a proud new father, as we'll put to him in just a second. Yeah, I've just, just heard recently that um, he's got himself a little daughter. So that's, that's a lovely little spring present for him. Um, <laughs> you know, but he's, he's, not, he's not a young lad anymore, so you know, he's going to have a few, a few late nights and he'll have a few wrinkly. Um, Bags under his eyes, I suppose, in the morning, but uh, it'll be worth it. I'm really pleased for him. I'll to see him and I'll, um, I'll get something for a little Sounds good. That's David Hillier joining us here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. And, mate, appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks, Rod. You can see Adrian Clark on the breakdown every Monday on Arsenal.com and he joins me now to preview the Gunners' clash against Crystal Palace on Sunday. Adrian, couple of things. First of all, hearty congratulations. You are uh, a new dad yeah. as of the last few days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, little Evie was born this week, so it's exciting times in the Clark household. Um, but yeah, all is good. So yeah, very, very happy. You're not looking too bad, given <laughs> the fact you probably haven't had a huge amount of sleep. No, no. It's, it's, it's worse for my wife than it is for me at the moment. So um, yeah, so far so good, but it's a challenge, as you well know. <laughs> and as you just heard from David Hillier, as we were having on the show, uh, a man you used to play with, passing on his congratulations and his insight into you as well. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, I got on really well with Dave. Um, he, he was a top lad here as a player. And we get to work together as well here on Arsenal Player now. It's funny how things work out. I get to see all my old mates from back in the day. We hit Hillier, Husey, those guys. So, um, and Perry Groves, who I used to clean the boots for. So, um, it's a bit of a reunion of sorts. All a full circle. <laughs> and your new friends and colleagues alike, of, of course. Of course, well. of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, my friend, much to talk about. But we'll start about Crystal Palace. Mm. And a team who obviously started this season brilliantly. We saw Johan Kabay pulling the strings when he was fully fit. Very solid earlier in the season defensively. Still not bad now, but yeah. nowhere the team that they were, say, up until January. No, they've lost their intensity, I think. Earlier on in the campaign, they were so well organised at the back. But when they broke, they broke... At a rate of knots, didn't they? And they were very, very hard to stop when the wing flyers were all fit and firing. And since then... Alan Pardew hasn't always had all of his armoury available, has he? And, and I think that has affected them to some degree. And the problem really has been a lack of a striker for them. They haven't got somebody to knock in double-figure goals. I think their leading scorer is on five. Scott Dan, the centre-half, is their joint leading scorer in terms of assists. Even though we look at the likes of Balassi, Punch and Zahar and think, wow, they, they're good players, especially on the counter... No one's got more than three assists this season. So that tells me there's a slight lack of creativity or maybe imagination inside the final third. So, so I think that's where they've fallen down. For Palace to succeed, they have to be 
at it 100% every single game. A little bit like Leicester, and they haven't been anywhere near that in the last few months. Does it surprise you that one or two of those things were probably apparent, I'd have said, in and around the January transfer window? And, and Alan Pardew did make some moves, for example, added by all yeah. came in. But for me, I just wonder whether he could have targeted one or two very, very good players that were a clear upgrade and really kicked that squad on for the second half of the campaign. Yeah, interesting point. Yeah, I, I mean, looking back, hindsight's a, a, a funny thing, but that is what he will no doubt wish he would have done. Added by all, look to me, like it was a bargain at the yeah. time. I, I covered his one goal. I saw that live. <laughs> <laughs> he but he's a very moody player, isn't he, Adebayor? And, and if he's not with it, he offers next to nothing. So, so that's been a problem for them this season. I think they did miss Jason Punchin as well. And but he can be a bit hit and miss, depending he can, on his day. He can. And, and, yeah. and I just think in that central midfield, they've got workhorses. But apart from Kabai, no, not a lot of quality and... and yeah, they've struggled to, to open up opposition teams and, and, unfortunately, as a team, they haven't been solid enough in recent months. Um, earlier on in the campaign, they could soak up pressure and play on the counter because everybody was putting a shift in. Since they stopped doing that, they've leaked goals and that's been the issue. I mentioned, obviously, their very poor run since the turn of the year and at one point it was, it was a horrifying statistic, but they have got a win now yeah. in the top flight and that will, importantly, ease their relegation fears to almost being completely nil. And I just wonder if that takes a bit of pressure off their backs going into this London derby. Yeah, I think they can chill out now and that makes some dangerous opponents at Emirates Stadium. I, I think this is a game Arsenal need to be really careful of, actually, because even as poor as they've been I now think they're safe and they probably think they're safe and they will play with an element of freedom they went to Anfield earlier on this season and went 4-4-2 which seemed crazy seemed a very very bold way of doing things I think Balassi was up top where he was Sacco or Zahar and they really got at Liverpool and there's a part of me that wonders if Alan Pardew will do that because if Palace sit back I don't know if they're good enough to withstand a barrage of Arsenal's attacks I think this might be quite an entertaining game. It could, there could be goals in it. So if we look a bit closer at some of the tactics and the minutiae of this <laughs> one, as we like to do with you then, Clarky, yeah. if you're Arsenal, yeah. we've talked a bit about the strengths and weaknesses of the Eagles. What do you do tactically to win this one? Well, you don't play into their hands. And I think playing into their hands is floating cross after cross into the box. Dan and Delaney, they will stick their head on everything. A little bit like Watford did here in the FA Cup. What we need to do is play like we did against Watford in their FA Cup replay. Look to have loads of movement in and around that final third with runners going in behind. I think there's a slight weakness at left-back with Soiree. I, I, I don't really rate him as a defender. I think, I think Alexis has the potential to destroy him if he makes runs in behind. Ward on the other side is a bit more consistent, but, but not brilliant. And then in the middle of the midfield, I just think they're a touch ponderous. Yedinak is back in favour, but in my view, his best days are behind him. So quick movement, lots of triangles, sliding balls down the side of the centre-backs. And I think we could really make hay but we cannot be slow in our build up we cannot just hoist balls into the box because they'll deal with that mm -hmm. I think Ward's happier on the other side of the fullback pairing as well yeah. but that's another issue for me anyway not getting the best out of him um, OK so if you're Palace you look at Arsenal where do you really go for it? Well I mean you look at Arsenal's last game against West Ham really disappointing from a defensive perspective and you, you they would target the centre-halves. They really were. I mean, Gabriel struggled in that match against West Ham United, especially with aerial balls. Lauren Koscielny, who I'm a big fan of, 
wasn't a lot better, if, if truth be told. So I think they're going to look to whip cross after cross in, across the face of goal. And look to uh, and look to hurt Arsenal in, in that way. I think that is the, that is the main area of weakness with this team at the moment. And also out wide, they will test the Gunners' wide players. I think Alex Iwobi, there's no issue there with his work rate, but Alexis doesn't always as brilliant as he is going forward. He doesn't always track back and. That was a problem against the Hammers. Creswell was having a field day down that left-hand side. If he does the same in this game, whoever plays on that flank, they might go 2v1 up against Hector Bellerin, and that could cause problems. It's vital that Alexis does his bit because they will go wide, Crystal Palace, at every opportunity. We need our wingers to track. OK, so the normal couple of stock questions mm. to finish this little section... In a sentence, how do you beat Crystal Palace? In a sentence, uh, how do you beat Crystal Palace? You, you beat Crystal Palace by playing the way you did against Watford. I think is there's, there's, I can't think of any other way of describing it. I think Watford and Crystal Palace are, are very, very similar sides. Do the same as we did in that game, and, and I think we could see a similar result. But you can't switch off at the back. I know this is a very long sentence, <laughs> but you cannot afford to switch off at the back because they do have dangerous players. Um, I know they don't score a hatful of goals, but they, they have the potential to hurt us on counters. That is what their game is built around. In a 200-word sentence. <laughs> uh, only and what about... I know it's tough, but we've talked about a myriad of options. What is your key head-to-head? -head I think battle? the key head-to-head -head is Alexis against Soiree because I see it one-sided. But if Palace get on the offensive and, and go forward, Soiree with, say, Balassi on that left-hand side up against Bellerin, 2v1, that is where we could be in trouble. So it's, it's, keep your eye on Alexis. He needs to do his job going forward and going back. Adrian, as ever, a pleasure and congratulations to you and yours again on the wonderful news of the week. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. You can join Dan Roebuck and the team from 3.30pm UK time on Sunday. That's for all the pre-match build-up and then uninterrupted audio commentary of the game at four. That's on arsenal.com and, of course, on the Arsenal mobile app. That's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Peter Check, to David Hillier and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. And remember, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and you'll never miss another new show. We're back on Monday the 18th of April. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.